0: Ooh, chapter six of A Series of Unfortunate Events. The Slippery Slope, book the 10th. All right, chapter six. In the very early hours of the morning, while the two elder Baudelaire's struggled to find their footing as they climbed up the vertical flame diversion, and I sincerely hope that you did not read the description of the journey that the youngest Baudelaire's found themselves struggling with a different sort of footing altogether. Sunny had not enjoyed the long cold night on Mount Frot. If you ever have slept in a covered casserole dish on the highest peak of a mountain range, then you know that a un- that a uncomfortable place that it is an uncomfortable place to lay one's head. Even if you find a dish towel inside of it and it can serve as a blanket. All night long, a chilly mountain chilly mountain winds blew into the tiny holes inside the top of the cover, making it cold inside the dish. That Sunny's enormous teeth, "'aw, her teeth shattered all night, giving her tiny cuts on her lips and making such loud noise that it was impossible to sleep. Finally, as the first rays of the morning sun shone through the holes, making it warm enough to doze, Count Olaf left his tent and kicked open the cover of the dish and began ordering Sunny around. Wake up, you, you, whoa, you dentist's nightmare! He cried. Sunny opened one exhausted eye and found herself staring at the villain's footing particularly the tattoo on one on Olaf's left ankle a sight that was enough to make her wish her eyes were still closed Tattooed on Olaf's ankle was the image of an eye and it seemed to Sunny that this eye had been watching the Baudelaire's throughout all of their troubles from the day on from the day on Briny Beach when they learned this terrible fire had destroyed their home Time after time, Count Olaf had tried to hide his eye so that authorities would not recognize him, so the children were always uncovering him from behind his ridiculous disguises, and the Baudelaire's had begun to see the eye in other places, such as the office of a hypnotist, the site of a carnival tent, on Esme Squalor's purse, and on necklaces owned by mysterious fortune tellers. It was almost as if the eye had replaced the eye of their parents, but instead of keeping watch over the children and making sure that they were safe from harm, this eye merely gave them a blank stare as if it did not care about the children's troubles or could not do anything about them. If you look very closely, you can find the letters VFD hidden in the eye, and this reminded Sunny of all the sinister secrets surrounded the three siblings and how, how far that they were from understanding the web of mystery in which they found themselves but it is hard to think about mysteries and secrets first thing in the morning particularly if somebody is yelling at you and sunny turned her attention to what the captor was saying you'll be doing all the cooking and cleaning for us orphan can you imagine like making telling a baby to cook and clean for you pain no ridiculous payton's payton's doing her cursive homework You'll be doing all the cooking and cleaning for us, orphan, Count Olaf said, and you can start by making us breakfast. We have a big day ahead of us, and a good breakfast will give me and my troop, trope the energy we need to perform unspeakable crimes. Plakna, Sunny said, which meant, how am I supposed to cook breakfast on the top of a freezing mountain? But Count Olaf just gave her a nasty smile. Too bad, bad your brain isn't as big as your tiny teeth, or as big as your teeth, you little monkey, he said you're talking nonsense as usual sunny sighed, frustrated that there was no one on top of mount main morton i mean morton main mountain who understood what she was trying to say Translow, she said which meant just because you don't understand something doesn't mean that's doesn't mean that it's nonsense there you go babbling again olaf said and tossed sunny's tossed sunny the car keys get the groceries out of the trunk of the car and get to work Sunny suddenly thought of something that might cheer her up a little bit. "A sneak a talk," she said, which was her way of saying, "Of course, because you don't understand me, I can't say anything I can say anything I want to, and you have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm getting quite tired of your ridiculous speech impediment, Count Olaf said. "Brummel," Sunny said, which means, "In my opinion, you desperately need a bath and your clothing's aren't clothing are in shambles. Be quiet this instant," Olaf ordered. Bushney Sunny said, which meant something along the lines of, You're an evil man with no concern whatsoever for other people. Shut up, Olaf Royd. Shut wow. up and get cooking. I know Imagine telling a baby, Shut up Oh my God. Sunny got out of the casserole dish and stood up, looking down at the snowy Oh no, nope, hold on. I missed a page. At the snowy grounds, so that the villain would not see that she was smiling. It is not nice to tease people, of course, but the youngest Baudelaire felt that it was all right to enjoy a joke at the expense of, at the expense of such a murderous and evil man as she was walking as she walked towards Olaf's car, with a spring in her step. <sighs> a phrase here, which means, in surprisingly cheerful manner, considering she was in the clutches of a ruthless villain on top of the mountain so cold that even nearby waterfalls froze solid but when sunny Baudelaire opened up the trunk of the car her smile faded under normal circumstances it is not safe to keep the groceries in the trunk of a car for an extended period of time because some foods will spoil without being refrigerated but Sunny saw that the temperatures of Mount Main Mountain had caused the groceries to become over-refrigerated. A thin layer of frost covered every item, and Sunny had to crawl inside and wipe the frost off with her bare hands to see what she might make for the trope. She was, there was a variety of well-chilled food that Olaf had stolen from the carnival, but none of it seemed like, ma- seemed like making makings of a good breakfast. There was a big bag of coffee beans beneath the harpoon gun and a frozen hunk of spinach. But there was no way to grind the beans into tiny pieces to make coffee. Near the picnic basket, a large bag of mushrooms was was a jug. A large bag of mushrooms was a jug of orange juice. Oh, next to it was a jug of orange juice, but it had been close to one of the bullet holes in the trunk, and so it had frozen completely solid to the, from the cold it had frozen completely solid to the cold and after sunny had moved aside the three chunks of cold cheese a large can of water chestnuts and an eggplant as big as herself she finally found a small jar of boysenberry jam a loaf of bread that she could use to make toast although it was so clo- cold it felt like more of a log than breakfast ingredients wake up sunny peeked into the trunk and saw count olaf calling out the door to one of his tents uh, of one of his tents that she had assembled. Wake up and get dressed for breakfast. We can't sleep ten minutes more, asked the whiny voice of the hook-handed man. I'm having a lovely dream about, about sneezing without covering my nose and giving everybody else germs. <laughs> okay. Absolutely not, Olaf replied. I have lots of work for you to do. But Olaf, as Esme a squalor emerging from the tent, had shared with Count Olaf, her hair was in curlers and she was wearing a long robe, robe and a pair of fluffy slippers. Hold on, let me check this for a minute. And a pair of fluffy slippers. Hold on. Okay. I need a while to choose what I'm going to wear. It's not to burn down it's not it's not in to burn down a headquarter without wearing fashionable outfits. Sunny gasped in the trunk as she had known that Count Olaf was eager to reach VFD headquarters as soon as possible in order to get his hands on the rest of some crucial evidence. But it had not occurred to her that he would combine this evidence by grabbing with his usual promania, a word here which means, oh pyromania, love of fire, usually the product of of a deranged mind. I can't imagine why you'll need all of this time, was Count I can't imagine why you need all this time, was Count Olaf's grumpy reply to his girlfriend. After all, I wear the same outfit for weeks at a time, except when I'm in disguise and I look almost unbearably handsome. Well, I suppose you have a few minutes before breakfast is ready. Slow service is on one of the disadvantage of having an infant for a slave. Olaf strode to the car and peered at Sunny, who was still clutching a loaf of bread hurry up big mouth he growled at sunny i need a nice hot meal to take the chill out of the morning Unfeecy, sunny cried by unfeecy, she meant to make a hot meal without any electricity i need fire and expecting a baby to start fires all by herself on top of a snowy mountain is cruelly impossible and impossibly cruel but olaf merely frowned your baby talk is really beginning to annoy me he said Hygiene, Sunny said, to make herself feel better. She meant something along the lines of, additionally, you ought to be ashamed of yourself for wearing the same outfit for weeks at a time without washing it. But Olaf merely scowled at her and walked back to his tent. Sunny looked at the cold ingredients and tried to think. Even if she hadn't had been old enough to start a fire by herself, Sunny had been nervous around flames since the, since the fire that destroyed the Baudelaire mansion. But as she thought of the fire that destroyed her own home, she remembered that something her mother had told her once. They had, they had both been busy in the kitchen, and Sunny's mother was busy preparing for a fancy luncheon. And Sunny was busy dropping a fork on the floor over and over again to see what kind of sound it would make. The luncheon was due to start any minute, and Sunny's mother would quickly, was quickly mixing up a salad of sliced mango, black beans, Chopped celery mixed with black pepper, lime juice, and olive oil. This isn't a very this isn't a very complicated recipe complicated recipe, Sunny, her mother would say, but if I arrange the salad very nicely on fancy plates, people think I've been cooking all day. Often when cooking the presentation when cooking the presentation of food, it can always be as important as the food itself. Thinking of what her mother said, she opened the picnic basket in Olaf's trunk and found. That it contained a, an, a set of elem, elegant plates, which emblazoned with the familiar eye sign, insignia, and a small tea set. Then she rolled up her sleeves—an expression which means forced everyone very focused, very hard on the task, as it did not actually, as she did not actually roll up her sleeves because it was very cold at the highest peak of Mount Main, Mount Mortmain Mountains. And got to work as Count Olaf and his comrades started their day. I'll use this these blankets as a tablecloth, Sunny heard Olaf said in the tent, over her own teeth over the sound her own teeth were making. Good idea, she heard Esme say. It's a very in it's very into dine al fresco. What is that, what does that mean? Olaf asked. It means outside, of course, Esme explained. I knew what it meant, Olaf replied. I was just testing you. Hey, sure. yeah. Hey, boss, Hugo called from the next tent. Colette won't share the dental floss. There's no reason to use dental floss, Olaf said, unless you're trying to strangle someone with a very weak neck. Yeah. Kevin, would you do me a favor? The hook-handed man asked as Sunny struggled to open up the jug of juice. Will you help me comb my hair? These hooks make it very difficult sometimes. Ugh, I'm jealous of your hooks. The hook-handed, I mean, Kevin replied, having no hands is better than having two equally strong hands. Why doesn't he cut his hands off and put hooks there instead? If he thinks it's so much better, mm-hmm. don't be ridiculous," one of the white-faced women said. "Having a white face is worse than both of your situations, but you have a white face because you put makeup on," Colette said as Sunny climbed back out of the trunk and knelt down in the snow. "You're putting powder on your faces right now. You must bicker. Must you bicker every single morning?" Count Olaf asked and stomped. It's true yeah, and. Uh, <sighs> and stomped back out of the tent, carrying a blanket covered in images of his eyes. Somebody take this blanket and set the table over there on the flat rock. Hugo walked over out of the tent and smiled at the at his new boss. I'd be happy to, he said. Esme stepped outside, having changed into a bright red snow seat, and put her arm in, around Olaf. Fold the blankets into a large triangle, he said to Hulu. Hulu what, Hugo? That's the way... That, it's the in-way to do it. Yes, ma'am, Hugo said, and if you don't mind saying so, it's a very handsome snowsuit you're wearing. The villainous girlfriend turned all the way around to show off her outfit from every angle. Sunny looked up handsome. from her... I know. Sunny looked up from her cooking and noticed that the letter B was sewn into the back, along with an insignia. An- the eye insignia. I'm glad you like it, Hugo, Esme said. It's stolen. Count... Count Olaf glanced at Sunny quickly and stepped in front of his girlfriend. What are you staring at, Toothy? he asked. Are you done making breakfast? Almost, Sunny replied. The infant never makes any sense. No wonder she's fooled us into thinking she was a carnival freak. Sunny sighed, but no one heard her over the scornful laughter of Olaf's trope. One by one, the villain's wretched employees emerged from the tent and strolled over to the flat rock where Hugo was... (sighs) laying out the blanket one of the white-faced women glanced at sunny and gave her a small smile but nobody offered to help her finish the breakfast preparations or even set the table with the eye patterned dishes instead they all gathered around the rock talking and laughing until sunny carefully carried the breakfast over to them arranged on a large eye-shaped tray that she found in the bottom of the picnic basket although she was still frightened to be in count Olaf's clutches and worried about her siblings Sunny could not help but be proud of count be a little be a little proud as count olaf and his comrades looked at the meal that she had prepared she had kept in mind what her mother said about pre- presentation being important as the food itself and managed to put together a lovely breakfast despite the circumstances first she had opened a, the jug of frozen orange juice and used a small spoon to chip away at the ice until she had a large heap of juice shavings, which she arranged into a tiny pile on each plate to make an orange granada in a cold, delicious concoction that is often served at fancy dinner parties as masked and masked balls. Then Sunny rinsed her mouth out with melted snow so that it would be as clean as possible, and she chopped some of the coffee beans with her teeth. She placed a bit of the coffee ground inside of each cup and combined it with with snow that she had melted in her own hands to make coffee. A delicious beverage I enjoyed when first visiting Thailand to interview a taxi driver. Meanwhile, the youngest Baudelaire had put the chilled bread underneath the shirt to warm it up, which was warm enough to eat. Once she put one slice on each plate and using a spoon, spread some boysenberry jam on each slice of bread. She did her best to spread the jam in the shape of an eye and to please the villains who would be eating it and as finishing touch she found a bouquet of ivy which Count Olaf had given to his girlfriend not so long ago and placed it in a small pitcher of tea set and placed it in the small pitcher of tea set tea set used for cream there was no cream but the ivy would help with presentation and of the food by serving as the centerpiece a word here which means a decoration placed in the middle of the table often used to distract people from the food of course orange granada and iced coffee are not often served fresco, breakfast on the cold mountain peaks the bread and bread and jam are more traditionally prepared on toast as toast but without a source of heat any other cooking equipment and any other cooking equipment Sunny had done her the best that she could, and she hoped that Olaf and his trope might appreciate her efforts. Café Friday, sorbet, toast, tartar, she announced. What is this? Count Olaf asked suspiciously, peering into his coffee cup. It looks like coffee, but it's freezing cold. And what is this orange stuff? Esme said, asked seriously. I want fashionable food, not a handful of ice. Colette picked up a piece of the bread and stared at it suspiciously this toast feels raw, she said. (laughs) Well, duh. Is it safe to eat raw toast? Of course not, Hugo said. I bet that baby is trying to poison us. Actually, the coffee isn't bad, one of the white-faced women women said. Even if it's a little bitter, could someone please pass the sugar? Sugar? Shrieked Count Olaf, erupting in anger. He stood up and grabbed the end of the blanket and pulled as hard as he could, scattering all of Sunny's hard work. Food? Food? Beverages and dishes fell everywhere, and Sunny had to duck to avoid getting hit in the head with a flying fork. All the sugar in this world couldn't save this terrible breakfast, he roared, and then leaned down so that his shiny eyes stared right at Sunny. I told you to make a nice hot breakfast, and you gave me cold, disgusting nonsense, he said, with his smelly breath making a cloud in the chilly air. Don't you see how high we were up, you saber-toothed papoose? If I threw you off Mount Frott, you'd never survive. Olaf, Esme said, I am surprised at you. Surely you remember that we'd never get the Baudelaire fortune if you toss Sunny off of the mountain. We have to keep Sunny alive for the greater good. Yes, yes, Count Olaf said, I remember. I'm not going to throw the orphan off the mountain. I just wanted to terrify her. He gave Sunny a cruel smirk and then turned to the hook-handed man, Walk over to that frozen waterfall, he said, and crack the hole in the ice with your hook. The stream is full of stricken salmon. Catch enough for all of us, and give the baby and we'll give the baby we'll have the baby prepare us a proper meal. Good idea, Olaf, the hook-handed man said, standing up and walking towards the icy slope. You're as smart as you are, intelligent Sock sushi, su- Sake sushi sake sushis senny said quietly, which is which meant. I don't think that you're going to enjoy salmon if it's not cooked. Stop your baby talk and wash those dishes Olaf ordered. They're covered in lousy food. You know, Olaf said the white-faced woman who asked for sugar, it's none of my business, but we might not we might put someone else in charge of cooking. It was probably difficult for a baby to prepare a hot breakfast without a fire. But there is a fire, said a deep low voice, and everyone turned to see who had arrived, having the aura of menace is like having a pet weasel because you rarely meet somebody who has one. And when you do, it makes you want to hide under the coffee table. An aura of a minute of menace is simply a distinct feeling that the evil accompanies the arrival of certain people and very few individuals are evil enough to prepare, to produce an aura of menace An aura of menace that the three Baudelaire's had felt the moment they had met him. But a number of other people seemed "'seemed to sense that the villain villain was in their midst, "'even when Olaf was standing right next to them "'with an evil gleam in his eye. "'But when the two visitors arrived "'at the highest peak of Mortmain Mountains, "'their aura of menace was unmistakable. "'Sunny gasped when she saw them. "'Esme Squalor shuddered at the snowsuit. "'The members of Olaf's troop, "'all except the hook-handed man "'who was busy fighting for salmon, "'was so lucky enough to miss the visitor's arrival, "'gazed down at the snowy ground,' Rather than take a further look at them, Olaf himself looked a bit nervous at the man and the woman as their aura of menace drew closer and closer, and even I at this time can feel the aura of menace so strongly that writing about these two people, I dare not say their names, and it will instead refer to them the way everyone who dares to refer refer to them as the man with a beard but no hair and the woman with hair but no beard. It's good to see you, Olaf, the deep voice continued, and Sunny realized that the voice belonged to a sinister looking woman. She was dressed in a suit made of strange blue fabric that was very shiny and decorated with two large pads, one on each shoulder. She was dragging a wooden toboggan, a word here which means a sled big enough to hold several people, which is made of an ear which made an eerie scraping sound against the cold ground. I was worried that the authorities might have captured you. You look well, said the man, With the beard. Can I turn the page? You're doing great, Peyton. Look at that homework. Yeah, girl. But no hair. He was dressed identically to the woman with no hair, with hair, but no beard, but his voice was very hoarse, as if he'd been screaming for hours and could hardly talk. It's been a long time since we've laid eyes on one another. The man gave Olaf a grin, and it made him seem even colder than the mountain peaks. Then stopping, then stopped and helped the woman lean against the toboggan against the lean the toboggan against the rock where Sonny had served breakfast. The youngest Baudelaire saw that the toboggan was painted with a familiar eye insignia and had a few long leather straps, presumably for steering. Count Olaf coughed lightly into his hand, which is something that most people do when they cannot think of what to say. Hello, he said a little bit nervously. Did I hear you say something about a fire? The man with the beard, but no hair, and the woman with hair, but no beard, looked at one another and shared a laugh that made Sunny cover her ears with her hands. Haven't you noticed, the woman said, There's, there are no snow around here. Well, we noticed that, Esme said. I thought there may be snow nat- snownut Snow gnats were no longer in. Don't be ridiculous, Esme, said the man with a beard but no hair. He reached out and kissed Esme's hand, which Sunny could see was trembling. The gnats aren't around because they can smell smoke. I don't smell anything, said Hugo. Well, if you were a tiny insect, you'd smell something, replied the woman with hair but no beard. If you were a snow knot you'd smelt the smoke you'd smell the smoke from VFD headquarters. We did you a favor, Olaf, the man said. We burned the entire place down no cried Sunny before she could stop herself by no she meant i certainly hope that isn't true because my siblings and i hope to reach vfd headquarters and solve the mystery that surrounded us and perhaps one of our parents but she had planned she had not planned out to say it out loud and the two visitors looked down at the young baudelaire casting their aura of menace in her direction what is that Asked the man with the beard, with no hair, "That's the youngest there Replied Esme, "We've eliminated the other two, but we're keeping this one around to do our bidding until we can finally steal the fortune." The woman with hair but no beard nodded. "Infant servants are troublesome," she said. "I had an infant servant once, a long time ago, before the scheme, the schism. What's a schism? Before the schism," Olaf said, and Sunny wished Klaus were here because the baby did not know what the word schism meant. That is a long time ago. The infant must be grown up by now. Not necessarily, the woman said and laughed again while her other companion leaned down to gaze at Sunny. Sunny could not bear to look in the eyes of the man with the beard and no hair. Instead, she looked down at her shiny shoes. So this is Sunny Baudelaire, he said in a strange ho- hoarse voice. Well, 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 I've heard so much about this little orphan. She's caused almost as many problems as her parents did. He stood up again and looked around Olaf and his trope but we know how to solve we know how to solve problems don't we the fire can solve many problems in the world he began to laugh and the woman with hair but no beard laughed along with him nervously count Olaf began to laugh too and then glared at his trope until they laughed along with him and Sunny found herself surrounded by tall laughing villains "'Oh, it was wonderful,' said the woman with hair but no beard. First, we burned down the kitchen. "'Then we burned down the dining room. "'Then we burned down the parlor. "'Then the disguise center, the movie room, and then the stables. "'Then we moved to the gymnasium and all of the training centers "'and the garage of all six of the laboratories. "'We burned down the dormitories and the schoolrooms, "'the lounge and the theaters, the music room, "'as well as the museum and the ice cream shop.' Then we burned down the rehearsal studio and and the testing centers and the swimming pools, which was very hard to burn down. Then we burned down the bathrooms, and then finally we burned down the VFD library last night. That was my favorite part. Books and books and books all turned to ashes so nobody could read them. You should have been there, Olaf. Every morning we lit fires, and every evening we celebrated with a bottle of wine and some finger puppets. Finger what the heck we've been wearing these fireproof suits for almost a month it's been a marvelous time why did you burn it down so gradually Co- count Olaf asked. whenever i burn something down i just do it all at once well we couldn't have burned the entire thing the entire headquarters down said the woman with said the man with a beard but no hair someone would have spotted us remember where there's smoke there's fire but if you burn the headquarters down room by room as may said didn't all of the volunteers escape Eh they were gone already, he said with his as he scratched where his hair might have been. the entire headquarters were deserted, and if they knew we were coming, oh well, you can't win them all, maybe we'll just find some of them when we burn the carnival. Maybe we'll find some of them when we burn the carnival down, said the woman, and in her deep voice, carnival olaf Olaf asked nervously, yes, the woman said, and scratched the place where her beard would have been if she had one. "'Yeah, there's an important piece of evidence that VFD was hiding in a figurine sold at Calgary Carnival, so we need to go burn it down.' "'I burned it down already,' Count Olaf said. "'The whole place?' the woman said in surprise. "'The whole place,' Olaf said, giving her a nervous smile. "'Well, congratulations,' she said in a deep purr. "'You're better than I thought, Olaf.' "'Count Olaf looked relieved, relieved as he had not been sure "'whether the woman was going to compliment him or kick him.' Well, it's all for the greater good, he said. As a reward, the woman said, I have a gift for you, Olaf. Sunny watched as the woman reached into her pocket of her signy chute and drew out a stack of paper tied together with a thick rope. The rope looked to be very old and worn, as if it had been passed around to a variety of different people, hidden in a number of different secret compartments. Perhaps even divided into different piles, driven around in the city of horse drawn carriages, and then put back together at midnight. The black room of the bookstore had been disguised as a cafe in a sporting goods store. Count Olaf's eyes grew very wide and very shiny, and he re- and he reached his filthy hands towards it as if the Baudelaire, if it was a Baudelaire's fortune himself. The Snicket file, he said in a hushed whisper. "It's all here," the woman said. Every chart, every map, every photograph from every file, from photograph from the only file that could put us all in jail it's completely it's complete except for page 13 of that the man said which we understand that the Baudelaire's managed to steal the page from the Heimlich hospital the two visitors glared down at Sunny Baudelaire who couldn't help whimpering after whimpering in fear screw me she said which means something along the lines of I don't have it my siblings do but she did not need a translator The older orphans have it, Olaf said, but I'm fairly certain they're dead. When all of these problems have gone up in smoke, oh, then all of our problems have gone up in smoke, said the woman with the hair but no beard. Count Olaf grabbed the file and held it to his chest as if it were a newborn baby. Although he was not the sort of person to treat a newborn baby kindly, this is the most wonderful gift in the world, he said. I'm going to read it right now. Well, we'll all read it together, the woman said, with no, the woman, said the woman with no beard. It contains secrets that we all ought to know. But first, the man said with no beard, I have a gift for your girlfriend, Olaf. For me, Esme said. Yes, I found these in the room of the headquarters, the man said. I've never seen them before, but it has been quite some time since I was a volunteer. I, with a sly smile, he reached into his pocket and pulled, took out a green tube. What is that, Esme said? I think it's a cigarette, said the man. A cigarette? Esme said with a big smile, as big as Olaf's. How in? I, we thought you'd enjoy them. Said the man. Here, try it. I happen to have quite a few matches right here. The man with a beard but no hair struck a match at the end of the I know green tube and offered the offered it to the wicked girlfriend who grabbed it and held it with her mouth. A bitter smell like burning vegetables filled the air, and Esme Squalor began to cough. What's the matter? Asked the woman. In her deep voice, I thought you liked things that are in. Oh, I do," Esme said, and then coughed quite a bit more. Sunny was reminded of Mister Poe, who was always coughing into a handkerchief. As Esme coughed and coughed, and finally dropped the green tube to the ground, where it spewed out dark green smoke. "I love cigarettes," she explained to the woman with a with. She explained to the man with a beard with no hair, but I prefer to smoke them while holding, while holding uh, with a longer holder because I don't like the smell and the taste. "'because they're very bad for you.' Ugh, "'Never mind that now,' Olaf said impatiently. "'Let's get to my tent and read the file.' "'He started to walk towards the tent, "'but stopped and glared at his comrades, "'glared at his comrades who began to follow him. "'The rest of you, stay out here. "'There are secrets in this file "'that I do not want you to know.' "'The two sinister visitors began to laugh "'and followed Count Olaf and Esme to the tent, "'closing the flat behind him.' Sunny stood with Hugo, Colette, and Kevin, the two white-faced women, and the two white-faced women, and stared after them in silence, waiting for the aura of menace to di- disappear. Who are those people? asked the hook-handed man. And everyone turned to see that he had returned from his fishing expedition. The four salmon hung from each each of his hooks, dripping with the waters of the stricken stream. I don't know," said one of the white-faced women. "But they make me very nervous. If they're if they're friends of count olaf's kevin said how bad could they be the members of the troop looked at one another but no one answered no one answered the ambidextrous person's question what did that mean when he said where there's smoke there's fire hugo asked i don't know colette said a chilly wind blew and sunny watched her contort sunny watched her contort her body in the breeze when there's there's smoke that means there's a fire yeah exactly like, what? Because there's nothing else that causes smoke. That means if it looks like a duck, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's a duck. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, Colette said. I don't know, Colette said. A chilly wind blew, and Sunny watched her contort her body in the breeze until it looked like she was almost as curvy as the smoke from the green tube Esme had dropped. Forget those questions, the hook-handed man said. My question is, how are you going to prepare that sa- this salmon orphan? Olaf's henchman was looking down at Sunny but the young at, but the youngest Baudelaire did not answer for a moment Sunny was thinking was thinking and her siblings would have been proud of her for the way she was thinking Klaus would have been proud because she was thinking about the phrase where there's smoke there's fire and what might have what it might have meant and Violet would have been proud because she was thinking about salmon that the hook-handed man was holding and what she might invent that would help her Sunny stared at the hook-handed man and thought, as hard as she could, and she felt almost as if the siblings were with her, Klaus helping her and thinking about a think her. Oh my gosh, Klaus helping her think about a phrase, and Violet helping her think about an invention. Answer me, baby. The hook-handed man growled, "What are you, what are you going to make for us out of this salmon?" Locks, Sunny said, but it was all three of the Baudelaires that answered the question. <gasps> All three of the Baudelaire's, do they just walk up? Or is it because she was thinking like that's what they would say? You'll find out. Oh, this girl. She's so good at this. Okay. All right. Let's find out, guys.